Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Welcome, Carolyn E., clinician and academic. You're chair of uh, Australian College of GPs uh, Integrated Medicine um, Committee, and uh, welcome to the Asana podcast. Thank you for having me. Carolyn, can we start just by asking, what is PCOS? That's a great question, um, Saxon. So PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. It is a hormonal disorder that affects about 10% of women worldwide. And it can result in a number of, uh, I guess, manifestations um, that will trouble women. So um, they are um, menstrual or reproductive issues, so issues around periods being very irregular um, and some associated difficulty falling pregnant with that. Um, they are effects on um, male hormone levels. So um, women with PCOS have high levels of testosterone um, and that can show as um, a lot of acne or pimples um, or hair where they don't want it to be so on the chin or the back or the tummy. Um, and sometimes um, uh, polycystic ovaries might show up on an ultrasound um, indicating that there are too many follicles on the ovary um, and those uh, create the hormonal problems that we see. Uh, is it on the rise, Carolyn? Um, uh, since we've studied together in medical school and 20 years being a GP, um, I seem to see more of um, uh, ladies with uh, polycystic with ovary it. syndrome. Um, what are the yeah. Yeah, look, I think there's two things happening there. So one thing is that we're much clearer about the syndrome and, and what it is and how to diagnose it as well. So particularly in the last um, five years where they've been um, more international guidelines on the area. And um, so I think we are diagnosing it more. But also it's a syndrome that's associated with excess weight. Um, so excess weight will make all of those symptoms um, more pronounced. And in fact, if you lose weight, you'll probably lose the syndrome. So you, you won't have the high levels of testosterone and your periods will tend to um, normalize. So I think with the rising rates of overweight and obesity, we're, we're probably going to see more and more um, PCOS being diagnosed. Sure. And, and what is the, um, I guess, what is the inflammation basis or the lifestyle basis to what causes uh, PCOS? Yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting question because uh, lifestyle changes are really kind of the cornerstone of um, treating PCOS. So even if you're um, not overweight, we do recommend changes in lifestyle. Um, and these are, these 
there's no sort of specific diet that's um, helpful for women with PCOS, um, but things like the Mediterranean diet, for example, have been shown to be um, important in terms of helping to reduce weight and helping to reduce the symptoms. So we think that, you know, with, with any other um, lifestyle-related disease, um, the more weight you gain, the more meta-inflammation you get, so the more kind of metabolic inflammation or inflammation from excess fat cells, um, and that can make um, all of your symptoms worse. It's a common thread that we hear a lot in these podcasts that um, being healthy and leading a balanced lifestyle and, and doing all the right things, exercising and whatnot, tends to keep people on the right path and stop a lot of these things from occurring. Is that the case here? Absolutely the case. Um, so we know that there's a very small um, sort of calorie intake difference between women who have PCOS and women who don't have PCOS. Even that very small um, increase in calories every day obviously makes um, a big impact overall. Another thing that we found by um, talking to women with PCOS about the barriers to um, losing weight is that Women with PCOS tend to have a, a negative view about their ability to um, to lose weight. So there's kind of a, a you know something that holds them back where they think I can't lose weight. It's harder for me to lose weight. Um, there's also um, associated um, mental health issues with PCOS. So anxiety and depression symptoms are more common. So we think that perhaps these might be sort of underlying um, the reasons why women find it harder to lose weight because they're setting out with, um, a, you know, a, a, a mindset where it is going to be harder for them. And we do see them struggle. And I think um, women with PCOS do need additional help and support from exercise physiologists and dietitians um, and setting out with the positive mindset that, you know, with lifestyle changes, uh, weight loss is achievable um, and, you know, the fertility improves, um, the symptoms of acne improve and they do feel much better overall um, psychologically. What happens if it goes untreated? Yeah, look, a lot of the times it does actually go undiagnosed. So we're trying to increase the rate of diagnosis. We know that um, a few years ago women were presenting with symptoms and it took more than two years to be diagnosed. If it goes untreated, I guess um, if you're thinking very long term, there is an association with increased risk of uh, type 2 diabetes um, and possibly with cardiovascular disease. And certainly a lot of women that we talk to um, are very aware of that and, and they were very worried about that. So that's, I guess, you know, good motivation to stick to the lifestyle changes. Um, there is a, a slightly increased difficulty in getting pregnant. Now, we do know that women with PCOS do end up having a family of the same size as women without PCOS. So I think this is an important message to put out to all girls with PCOS who are worried about their fertility. You will be able to have children. It's just harder because you don't know when your periods are happening and you don't know when you're ovulating. So it's much, much harder to time it. Um, Sorry, what, what was the original question again? <laughs> just remind me. I just wanted to know oh, what, what happens. Yeah. Oh, what happens if it doesn't get treated, yeah. Another important thing, I guess, for um, all girls and women with PCOS to know is that if you're having very few periods a year, so that's only three or four, um, it is recommended that you go on the oral contraceptive pill. Um, this is so that um, you reduce the risk of endometrial cancer or cancer of the uterus. 
Um, so that's why a, a lot of girls end up getting put on the pill. It's not necessarily for contraception, but it's for protection for um, harm in the future. It sounds like, Carolyn, that early uh, detection and treatment is and, and lifestyle modification, if appropriate, is um, is as applicable to PCOS as it is to many uh, chronic health conditions. And so, but also recognising that, you know, there could be some hesitation or there might be some psychological um, anxiety around what is, uh, you know, the weight gain, what is PCOS. Um, mm -hmm. What would be the, um, I guess, the, the ways to um, encourage women to, to go forward and um, talk to GPs and get that early diagnosis and, and treatment? Uh, and what would happen yeah. in terms of, uh, I guess, some of the challenges in navigating the health system if you don't do it early? Yeah, yeah. So um, to that, there's a few things that I can suggest. Um, so one is um, that clinicians do message, um, you know, provide positive messages about PCOS. So lifestyle changes can have multiple benefits. So maybe um, emphasising um, the mental health benefits, which we know a lot about, both from diet and physical activity. Um, also emphasising that you don't need to, you know, get back to a size eight or, you know, lose a lot of weight. Even if you lose 5% of your original body weight, that will have um, quite a lot of, you know, positive benefits for your health overall. So, um, you know, for your menstrual cycle, for your fertility um, and for your symptoms of acne and for your emotional well-being. Um in terms of navigating the health system, um, the, so Monash University have done quite a lot of work in this area. I wasn't involved, but I am aware of it. Um, they've provided um, really useful consumer resources. There's a question prompt list that women can take to their GPs to ask about, um, you know, do I have PCOS and guide GPs to, you know, what the tests are um, and um, point towards their latest guidelines in terms of diagnosis because diagnosis is actually reasonably complex um, and I think it's, it's a really great opportunity, I guess, to to upskill um, our, our end users, so our patients, our consumers, um, to, uh, you know, to be empowered and to bring the information so that they get the diagnosis and treatment um, that they need. I mean, Kevin, I'm sure you know that, you know, being a GP is incredibly difficult. You've got to be across um, so many changes um, in, you know, all kinds of conditions. Um, so, you know, GPs should feel, I guess, you know, grateful that they've been kept up to date by their patients. Yeah, that's great. Sorry, I was... I was just going to say, Carolyn, uh, you must see a lot of people who come to you in, in less than a perfect condition. Um, what, what seems to be the thing that people have the most success with? Is, is there a, an approach to weight loss um, that you've seen that, that works better than others? I do think there is, Jackson. I think um, with something like this and possibly with everything around weight loss, it does need to be what works for um, the individual. Um, so, for example, for physical activity, there's lots of different types of physical activity that you could do. Um, what I like to do might not be what, you know, the, the person sitting in front of me likes to do. Um, so I think it's important to, um, you know, explore what it is that, you know, each individual wants to do in terms of physical activity. You have the guidelines to aim to in terms of um, number of minutes of vigorous exercise, number of minutes of moderate exercise, and the strength training is important too. And then say, you know, what looks 
what would you like to do um, that you enjoy doing and that you can keep doing as well because we're looking for sustainable changes? Um, and they might say, look, it's rock climbing or it's dancing or um, I really like going to the gym. Um, but, you know, I couldn't really prescribe something to someone because they might just not actually ever want to do that. I used to do a lot of rock climbing. It's lots of fun, but swimming laps yeah. or going for a run, it's just exactly. too boring. I just can't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I love going for a run, so um, and I would, you know, I'm terrified of rock climbing. So that, you know, that doesn't work for me. But it doesn't matter as long as we're both being active. Well, I'm too heavy to rock climb now. I need to find something else. I keep falling off. <laughs> Um, maybe to end on, um, Carolyn, uh, you have a PhD. We like calling you a doctor, doctor, um, PhD in women's health. And uh, you also have a blog site, which I love sharing with patients um, and our members, uh, being you. the healthy doctor, uh, focusing on wellness rather than, than sickness, which really aligns with um, our approach at Asana. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for, for, for doing that. Um, any practical tips you would like to leave our uh, listeners with? Um, Especially in a in a COVID environment, uh, everyone's anxious. Um, perhaps mm. uh, not doing as much as they would normally do with with others. Um, your tips for um, women or or, or just um, folks generally? Yeah, look, I think that with over twenty years of being a doctor, I found that um, the real key to wellness is in your mind, um, you know, there, there's so much that you can do physically, you can exercise, you can eat well, but if you're not happy and um, if you're not at peace with yourself, um, then that's really meaningless. And in fact, you know, it's much easier to um, have a healthy lifestyle if you start off with being happy within yourself um, to start with. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I've learned as a person um, is how to be kind to myself and starting with that attitude of self-compassion um, is really, really important. So that's something that I, I see a lot in patients who come and see me, the, you know, the negative self-talk, um, and I'm, I'm calling it out and helping them, I guess, you know, be kinder to themselves so that they're starting off um, with the right mindset. And then everything else seems to fall into place after that. So I think it would be... My biggest tip is everyone struggles um, with all the pressures of COVID and, um, you know, your illnesses don't go away. Um, there's worries about the future is to start with self-kindness. That's a wonderful tip. So, well, thank you very much for coming on um, on our podcast. My pleasure. We have lots of topics that we'd love to talk to you about um, in other episodes and um, look forward to, to working together and um, raising your awareness around some of these important topics such as PICOS today. Fantastic. Caroline, tell us about the research you're doing in PICOS. Yeah, thanks, Saxon. So I'm, I'm really interested in acupuncture research. I'm a um, fully trained Chinese medicine practitioner as well as a medical acupuncturist, and I do acupuncture um, all the time in my uh, GP clinic. Um, and I've been interested in the role of acupuncture for PCOS for a long time um, because there's some evidence that it might be helpful for things like insulin resistance. Um, it certainly seems to be helpful for um, improving mental health symptoms such as anxiety. Um, and it might have a really important effect on appetite suppress uh, suppression as well. 
So at the moment, I'm um, running a small pilot study out of Western Sydney University at Nickham's Health Research Institute, um, and we're comparing two types of acupuncture um, against, I guess, you know, usual lifestyle interventions. And we're seeing if, you know, can we combine acupuncture with lifestyle interventions to get, um, I guess, you know, a, a better effects overall on weight loss and we're tracking things like um, heart rate variability to look at sympathetic tone and the effect on um, insulin resistance there. So um, yeah, it's a very exciting space to be in um, and hopefully, uh, you know, acupuncture might be a useful adjunctive um, treatment alongside, um, you know, increasing uh, physical activity and improving diet. Any early results? Not yet, no, we're only a third of the way into it and it's just a pilot study, um, but yes, we hope to have results probably towards the end of next year. And if anyone would like, like to participate, are there opportunities to, to join the trial or, or participate in future trials? Yeah, absolutely. I can um, drop you a link. Yeah, we're, we're still screening women and hope to be um, reopening after the sort of COVID break um, in late November. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and look forward to chatting with you again, Carolyn. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Carolyn.